Hello, and welcome to episode 70 of Q&A Quest. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, not mentioning Hearthstone this week. And with me, as always... <laughs> Too busy commenting things to properly admonish Wheels for that nonsense. Family Master David McBurney, confused man-in-chief. <laughs> and it's a and long title. <laughs> it's It's a long job. Yes, and you are very long-suffering for it. I deserve this. Really? Do you? Do yes. you really? Yes. <laughs> Were you just a really naughty person in a, in a former life? I've assumed that since basically birth, so... Yes. <laughs> Brian, that's a pretty safe bet for pretty much everybody when it comes to former lives. Um... There's a lot to choose from, so there's probably at least one where you did something pretty bad. Yes, yes. So anyway, yes, calling in from Japan for possibly the last time in a, quite a while, depending on scheduling and all sorts of other fun stuff. Yay, uh, Michael, but not yay. I, yeah. <laughs> Is I've fun here in air quotes? Or? What? Is fun here in air quotes, or is it actually fun stuff? <laughs> you? How could you tell? <laughs> so, what's new with you guys? Uh, I'm still playing Yakuza and not playing as much Alliance Alive as I wish I was. <laughs> it's very good. Very, very good. What I've played of it agrees with that. <laughs> but at least you're not wasting your precious time on an inferior game. At least it's Yakuza. So. Yeah, Yakuza Kiwami is like that's a very good second place to have right now. Yes. Uh, I have been playing some, some Alliance Alive, but I'm still somewhat distracted by uh, Monster Hunter stories. How's that is, going? Which is just oddly very enticing. I'm, I'm now collecting all the amiibos, so. You know, what? No. Send help. Yes, yes, I bought the latest one while I was at PAX East this week. Intervention! Intervention! What if I, what if I send you a fire? <laughs> wow. What if I just send you fire and you just you let nature take its course? Listen, they are very high quality. And, um, yeah, I don't that's... recall saying that wasn't the case. Okay. And they give you nice unlockables in the game, so... No, it's all good. Such as... Uh, specific monsters. Fair enough. I guess you just wanted a figurine of a monster hunter. Monster. No, I wanted a figurine of all of them. Please don't. Please. There are people that care about you right. somewhere. At least I haven't started watching the anime. You say that as though it's like a thought that's crossed your mind. Like, a healthy person wouldn't remember that there was an anime. I didn't. <laughs> Okay, I only I only watched two episodes. Okay, okay, I bought I bought the first season on Amazon. I'm not mad, I'm just furious. <laughs> you have so many things that you could be doing with your life. Such as Some I'm much too much younger than you to be having this chat with you. <laughs> well over here I'm still messing around with Tales of Innocence. Yeah. Not, not too often because I'm usually doing other stuff. But for example, on Mondays I have to ride the streetcar for a while each way, and so I get that, that out. And I've been going through the the completely optional um, guild quests bit, 
where, where each town has a nearby randomized, semi-randomized dungeon and you get jobs to go in there and find stuff or kill stuff. And it takes an awful lot of these trips in order to level up your guild ranking to the next point where you can get more interesting quests. So, but with the game set on autopilot for battles, it's not that bad. Nice. Yeah, but it, it's like most Tales games eventually reach a point where I'm just putting it on auto battle for most of the time. And um, this one lasted longer than Tempest did. A lot longer than Tempest did. Mainly because it's easier to control in battle than Tempest was. Um, <laughs> but it did not last nearly as long as Tales of Frogs. Where I only where I only used the auto battle for one boss encounter and then turned it back and didn't touch it again. Oh wow! Yeah. Just because I had a lot of fun with those frogs. Uh, but, Quality frogs. Yeah, and I I mean I didn't really do auto battle at all with hearts either, but um, I just have trouble with the 3D combat field versions of the Tales games. I don't feel like the DS's D-pad would be very good for those kinds of combat either. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't actually do free running, except at the very end of any given battle. Hmm. Um, the free running period is so that you can grab as many coins and other things that the monsters drop before they disappear and the battle concludes. That's weird. Yeah, the thing, <laughs> the thing is, um, I mean, monsters drop coins whenever you kill one, but they fade away faster than you can probably pick them up. Hmm. Especially if it's a longer oh. battle and your characters are focused on getting rid of the next monster instead of trying to grab anything. Yeah, I don't feel like I like the sound of that system, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it gets annoying. Well, hey, you killed it. Let's see how much of the reward you can get. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, there is an... Um, I mean, one of the reasons to do the guild request is to build up enough grade points to buy AI options. For the um, for the computer controlled characters, and one of those options is grab stuff. Uh, Finally, the chance really to effectively be... grind. Yeah. At least it's just coins and the occasional dropped item. Yeah. And now I'm just an... imagining if they had you pick up experience, and I think I would die. <laughs> no. Oh. Oh, no. That's one of the nice things. Um, there. Um. Innocence at least lets every party member get experience from a battle, whether or not they actually participated. That's always nice. I prefer when that happens. Um, but for participating characters, they also get to level up their combat style, which gives them um, special uh, passive bonuses, and also al allows them to level up their specific their individual arts for combat. Um, either increasing power, decreasing TP use, or occasionally sparking a new ability. Sparking returns, again. Uh, not, I mean, I use the term sparking, but it's nothing like Saga. It's just like, at the end of the battle, okay, you can, you've learned this one now. Oh, that's a shame. If you get up to, like, a five-star rank on something, you, or, like, on first aid, if you get, like, I think it was four stars, then you get access to heal. Mm -hmm. Without having to level up first. That's nice, actually. <laughs> yes. I mean, said it's it's an alpha system game, so I mean it's perfectly playable, unlike Tempest. Um, it's just it's got its quirks. 
like anything that Alpha System has ever made. <laughs> but not nearly as quirky as some of its original stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's a little... Let's get a little more different. <laughs> yes. Yep. But yeah, I'm, I'm just killing time until next Thursday. Or Thursday of next week. And I am really hoping that Kreatek continues the trend and allows you to take screenshots of Metal Max Xeno in-game. Ooh. Because if they do, then I am so going to be blogging this with a Today in Metal Max, I did this, and then just put something up with absolutely no context. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was just thinking if I had done that with Metal Max 4, it's like, actually, I pretty much did for the, for the What Are You Playing Today thread forums. Like, today in Metal Max, I delivered dog food. <laughs> today in Metal Max, I accidentally assisted a double, um, double suicide. <laughs> today in Metal Max... I was hired to do a rescue mission for somebody who's been dead for 50 years. Today in Metal Max, I committed a war crime. To avoid incriminating myself, I will say nothing more. Well, there's, I mean, there's no nations left, so it's kind of hard to uh, define war crime. Uh, today in Metal okay, Max... Okay, crime against humanity. <laughs> today in Metal Max, I got to perform karaoke with a bunch of zombies. <laughs> That's always a good time. For, for, for the record, these are all actual legitimate things I could be saying about Metal Max 4. Um, yeah, I believe you. Today in Metal Max, I helped a space station get rid of its anthropophagus mutant carrot infestation. Uh, please, do not... I don't want to be eaten by carrots. I really don't want that. <laughs> don't let it end like this. Tell them I said something. Yeah. <laughs> that same day in Metal Max, I got to fight... Astronaut zombies. I feel like zombies are just getting are just getting into a lot of careers I wasn't used to them having. Yeah. Oh no, I mean these are zombies actually wearing ripped space suits with a cracked helmet, and you can see the. Oh, I was hoping you were gonna just say that like they were just zombies that became astronauts rather than astronauts that became zombies. Astronauts that became zombies. But, I mean, this shame. is the this is the series where you have zombies riding motorcycles with chainsaws. That's pretty <laughs> good. I'm into that. Suffice to say, this is going to be fun. Um, no matter what they put into that game, this is going to be really weird. Good times. I can't wait till that game comes out in English whenever that happens. Just just say right now, you can't wait until they actually announce when it's going to be coming out in English. Y yes. Yeah, that'd be nice. This week right. in Metal Mets, I learned how to bend sporks with the only the power of my mind. <laughs> You're just learning everything in school now. Yes. Alright, shall well, we... Shall to we... avoid more Metal Max envy, we must move on. Yes. Must we? <laughs> yes. Alright. Uh, <laughs> first question from Evalore. Uh, good talks this week. Wall of text incoming. Question at the end. Shining Force, simple world exploration but streamlined. I could go for more detailed exploration, however. If they did manage to bring back Shining Force 4 via Camelot, then I'd hope they'd make world exploration more, satisfi more satisfying than just wander around before or after a battle and opening chests. I was secretly always hoping for more in-depth world exploration. Shining Force was my first SRPG TRPG and still my favorite despite its flaws and nostalgia factor. Also, side note, 
Why is it that Robert E. Howard was coming up recently again? I ran into news about his life recently, but I can't remember which site it was on, specifically about his mental health issues and connection to Lovecraft. The punchline is racism. Well, yes, most things from the 30s, sadly. Um, what brought up Robert E. Howard again? I don't remember. Uh, Budai uh, later brings up that he brought it up. Oh, okay. Say, well, it no, was, wait, it was uh, brought up because of Codename Steam 2 concepts. Uh, I brought up Howard because of Conan. Gotcha. Yes. Conan and a few other things, actually, but... Yeah. Those but, were deep Howard lore. Yeah, Howard was... Um, Howard's contribution was Conan. Some of the others were um, Burroughs. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And the fact that we can't use Tarzan in Codename Steam because Tarzan is one of Edgar Rice Burroughs' most heavily trademarked characters. Yeah, they still somehow have held on to that, which is just ridiculous. Uh, blame Disney. Like they, if they, if I could blame Disney, they wouldn't be having, they wouldn't have had to cut it from later Kingdom Hearts games. They do actually, Disney. No, 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 well, no. yeah. Well, Disney oh. is in general to blame, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, blame Disney for giving the precedent to extending copyright, um, trademark, and copyright for so long after the creator's death. To protect one Mickey, Th- Mickey the Mouse. <laughs> I believe that's his name. Alright, now the good part of the question. Now let's discuss Bravely Defart. Well, I don't... Did he say that? I feel like you edited that. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, what Ninty... What Ninty... Like, assuming he means Nintendo, should really do is make an N64 Mini next. What does this have to do with... What, okay, no, that, I think that was just a provocation rather than an actual question. Uh, I see. It's just I like see. a... Okay. Discuss Bravely Default. None of us really wants to. I know that me and Wales don't. What about yeah. you, Gaijin? Um, I would refer you back to the last April Fool's joke um, article I wrote for this website, the one that very passionately argued about which games we should have gotten instead of Bravely Default, to the point where some people in the forums were wondering if it was actually an April Fool's joke. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I'm not a huge fan, personally. Well played. Uh, But our opinions are bad. Plus the fact that I played it with the Japanese version that did not have the sliding scale of enemy encounter rights. Ooh, fun. I love that yes, they re-released really that sick game. Of thing really fast. I love that they re-released that game with that slate of quality of life options and just called it for the sequel. <laughs> yes. So, How about... Oh... But no, thank you. Thanks, but no. But yeah, uh, you can continue on now that we've all ranted just a little bit. Okay. Surely uh, making the N64 Mini next and actually manufacture enough units to distribute a real time this time, unlike the S Mini. Dude, I've seen the S Mini all over the place. Yeah, you can still actually find that. You just have to be wanting it. You just have to want it, basically. Like, if you want it enough to go looking for it, you will probably find it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I know I can find them over here still, and not in the not in the primary retail stores because those all sold out almost immediately. But in the secondary stores or the second-hand stores, you can find them. Yeah, I feel like not they would probably need to manufacture see. fewer N64 minis, though. So, but the bigger question is, if they did an N64 mini, what games would they put on it? Mm. Uh, Paper Mario. Okay. Hey, well, yes. I mean, the obvious one would be anything with Mario and Zelda. I mean, the yeah. first 
the first party games are a no-brainer. It's just, what do they have after that? Golden the obscure uh... first party games. Let's all play 1080 Snowboarding and Wave Race 64. I mean, okay, I can think of, okay, two Zelda games, um, Paper Mario, a couple Mario games. Um, you know what, just for the heck of it, let's say um, Ogre Battle 64. Yay. They could get a hold of that, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, actually, that would that one alone might actually be worth the cost of admission. Um, it's real and, expensive in the U.S. Yeah, it's 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 not terribly expensive over here, but it's you need a Nintendo 64 to play it. Um, that's part of the problem. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Eh. Uh, uh, like Star can... Fox and a couple shooter games. Golden Goldeneye. They will never negotiate the kind of licensing issues with both Rare, Microsoft, and whoever, like, currently has video game rights to James Bond, I'm not sure. Listen, this is all pie-in-the-sky shenanigans here, right? Oh, you want to do pie-in-the-sky, we, we don't need your in some ridiculousness. We don't need your facts. Oh, that game sucks. <laughs> Donkey Kong 64. Yeah, Donkey Kong 64 is butt. It's a bad game. I know, I, I really enjoyed that one back in the day. My uh, my college roommate and I had a competition to see who could get get through start some parts of it. Hmm. So, I yeah. like it, it is to me. It's the least of Rare's platformers for the systems, just because it's such a button hitting simulator. But I'm sure there's plenty of nostalgia for it, so it would make sense to include in in, in any case. We didn't have that many Nintendo 64 games to begin with. True, true. Okay. It was a long game. Uh, oh yeah, Mario Kart 64. Yeah. Uh, Perfect dark. Yes, I suppose. Uh, one of those, I don't know, Pokemon Stadium Gold and Silver, maybe? Pokemon I don't think that Snap. would have much novelty, but I could see... Oh, Pokemon Snap would be good. I was going to say, Pokemon Stadium, you kind of needed uh, one of the Game Boy games in order to... Yeah, actually it play. had... Well, that's why they, alongside it, they release a Game Boy classic that plugs into it. Oh, that's getting uh, complicated. That, that would be called the 3DS Virtual Console. Uh, there's oh. no real point for that because they are um, right now in Japan at any given um, uh, convenience store you can buy a gift code card with Pokemon Gold or Silver on it or not on <laughs> it but with a code for Pokemon Gold or Silver for your 3DS well they, you know they made those virtual console releases connect to uh, what the heck is it called the Pokemon Bank so they could just make some kind of connection to the N64 Mini to your Pokemon Bank account and just access them that way. Yes, but that I like the concept of Pokemon Bank access, account. That would just shoot the price of the per unit up ridiculously. Uh, uh, pr probably, yeah. Definitely. Uh, like, a lot of N64 games, like, you can get some weird stuff in there if you really want to start digging into strange third-party games that came out. Let's all play some Body Harvest in Space Station Silicon Valley from the creators of Grand Theft Auto. Woo! And I'm, uh, trying, I'm trying to remember what... Oh, Super Smash Brothers. Trying to uh, remember what? There was a... There was this one, like, shooting game I remember playing. It was one of the few that my roommate had for his Nintendo 64, and I have no idea what it was actually called. Hmm. Turret? Any sort of description? Oh, God. Um, well, there were three different um, characters. It was a like a really like 
kind of tacky chrome design science fiction game, and it had these weird like Ewok guys that you had to rescue all over is the place. Is this Jet Force Gemini? I think this is Jet Force Gemini. It, that sounds familiar. Let me look this up. Where is it? Jet. Um, Jet Force Gemini. Take a look here. From Rary. That sounds about right. Yes, that was it. There's the dog. I remember the dog. Yep. I believe named after a deadly autoimmune disorder. Why did you name the dog Lupus? What did you? What were you thinking? Because it's also the Latin word for wolf. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the main male character's name was Juno. Yeah, that's a little unexpected. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I think we we basically run out of. 64 games anyone remembers. We're going to start getting into, like, Snowboard Kids. Oh, man, Snowboard Kids is the bomb. <laughs> the oh, bomb. It's Kirby the 90s. 64. You can call it the bomb. The bomb. Yep. Gotta man, add Kirby I... in there just because it is a um, Nintendo first party, and I think Noodle would hate us forever if we didn't mention it. Crystal Shards is a pretty good Kirby game. I got nothing against that. Uh... Like, it really is just Nintendo third party, Nintendo first party, and whatever third parties you happen to find interesting. There was on a that weird Legends port? Okay. Yeah, Mega Man 64. There's a really surprisingly good Resident Evil 2 port for some reason. Uh, Mortal Kombat 4. Actually, 1, 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, which is a very strange version of Mortal Kombat 1 through 3. Uh... There's a lot of, like the N64 game has an amazing number of fighting games and almost all of them are awful. <laughs> like Clay Fighter 63 and a third is like straight up racist. Uh Deadly Arts aka Gasp Fighters Next Stream is one of Konami's million bad fighting games they made. Uh Oh man, there's there's a bunch of these. I think BioFreaks got ported there. I think War Gods got ported there. Both of those are really bad. There is a Paperboy 64. It's so bad. Oh, man, I remember that. <laughs> oh, man. That's a real, real bad game. I... Maybe... Oh, Puyo Puyo. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good game. Yeah. It's a compile get... game, amazingly enough. Maybe get... Uh... Oh, what was the other... Uh, puzzle game. I'm trying to think of puzzle games that actually came out on the N64. There was a Tetris. Uh, yeah, there's a Tetris. There's like a Disney Tetris for some reason, but there's also uh, a Puzzle Bubble. Mm -hmm. It's the variant of 3 on it. Must have moved 99 was its title in the US. So I think I'd probably put that on there. Why not? Uh, oh! Po Pokemon Puzzle League! Mm -hmm. That's important. That couldn't fly in Japan. They didn't release that in Japan, but you know, Panel the Palms. Good. Good puzzle game. And uh, Rampage. Oh, man. Tie in with the new movie. Hit new film featuring The Rock. Yeah, I saw the I saw the trailer for that. I'm like, okay. I saw the Japanese poster for that, and I was like, man, that poster is awesome, actually. It's just like, yeah, let's just draw it like it's a poster for a kaiju film. Whatever, man. Doesn't matter where it came from. It's all kaiju. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it is just a spoof of the entire kaiju concept. Yeah, might as well. Except apparently in the movie, the monsters are no longer formerly human. Uh, what's even the point? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's even the point if you can't 
like bomb them into regression and then they have to slink away trying to cover up their naughty bits. Yeah. That's, that's all I wanted out of Rampage the movie. Uh, and I remember trying to play that. I remember trying to play. Oh, yeah, I remembered the other things that I need to suggest. The two Goemon games for N64 that aren't. The ones that aren't board games are both very good. Uh, but I was going to say, I remember trying to play Rampage without a controller pack and trying to actually reach its ending because it has one. But it's like 200 levels in, so you're not doing it unless you have a N64 memory card, which I did not have at the time. Oh, oh, found found an RPG for Nintendo 64 that I did not know existed. Which one? Wonder Project J2. Oh, that's the doll, the doll child raising sim. Yes. That's, Strategy role-playing, click and move. Yeah. That's, that's got no English translation, but that's fine. We're going pie in the sky here. Yeah, we're going massively pie in the sky. Yeah, everyone needs to play... Uh, Goemon 64. Don't change anything about its baffling translation. Don't change the part where, like, the villain named Danson comes in and declares that he doesn't like Goemon's name, so he's going to call him Fernandez the entire time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very... It's a game that knows what it is and refuses to change for any reason. I did, like... It has one of my favorite, like, attempts to, like, censor something out, which is that... Like the there's like one dude that's like a like dirty old man, and I think in the Japanese one he just wants you to get him like porn books, but in America they changed him to being like a hot rod enthusiast, so he wants you to get him car magazines. Oh, that Very reminds good. me of actually that reminds me of um, something from Secret of Mana. Actually, mm -hmm. um, one of the few cases where I was just really disappointed with the new monster sprites. Yeah. Um, well, you know, there's the enchanted book monster that you find in yeah. various levels. And specifically, the one in the uh, the sunk, the underwater continent yeah. is called... The translated version is the National Scar. Hmm. It was supposed to be like a tabloid parody in the English translation. Oh. Whenever, it's cast, whenever it's casting a spell, it flips through the pages and it will occasionally show a centerfold in a bikini <laughs> in the original game. It doesn't yeah. do that in the remake. All of the book monsters share the exact same set of sprite animations, and this one does not have that special centerfold for casting magic. Aw, oh, that's a shame. You lose that yeah. fun little attention to detail. Yeah. So. I was kind of annoyed when I realized that. I was like, it's just the, yeah. little, the little things that you... Like, the attention to detail is part of what made it fun in the first place, so... Losing that's kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, I think I've run out of N64 games I can think of. Yeah. So there was one other RPG, Japan only here, called Yakochu to Setsujin Koro, which I have no idea what this game is. Yeah, I've never even heard of this. I have no idea. And the fact that it's that the company that made it, Athena Games, um, apparently hasn't made any games since that one in 1999. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, probably dead. Probably long since dead. Who knows who owns their stuff, if anyone. Yeah. Oh, SNK. Ha! Huh. So, well, um, yeah. SNK. That would probably be a cheap get, if nothing else. Yeah. SNK will... Oh, man, now I'm remembering that SNK is 
doing a 40th anniversary collection that's just all of their pre-Neo Geo games that basically no one cares about, hmm. except Crystallis. Crystallis is also there. Which version of Crystallis? NES. Okay. The, the good one. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that the Game Boy Color version was bad so much as it, the screen effect was kind of weird. Yeah, like, the, the reduced resolution made the game much harder to play, especially because Crystallis was one of those games that doesn't try to keep your character centered to the screen as hard. And the the way they designed it for the Game Boy Color, the screen itself, it kind of floated back and forth. Yeah. Because it couldn't fit the entire thing, um, the original NES's screen size, onto the Game Boy Color. Yeah, it really needed them to just actually redraw things to be smaller, and that was not a step they were going to take. Yeah, and I mean, this this technique did not work for the Super Mario Brothers remake for Game Boy Color either. Yeah, yeah, that game's especially lost... Trying to play lost levels on that is uh, punishing yourself for sins that you know you committed, but you don't know what they were. <laughs> but we're not we're not mapping out the Game Boy Classic yet. Give it time. Again, we have a... We have a an internet-capable system that can emulate that, so we don't. Yeah, need to. but they gave up on they gave up on Game Boy Virtual Console at least in the U.S. years ago. They never I got the Saga it's... games on there. Damn it! Yeah, not even in Japan. All right, what what did he have to say after the N64 stuff? Uh new Atari console should really let developers in on it and make new Atari 2600 games. What they're missing out on is all the new homebrew games. It's a real shame. One of the largest shames of 2018, really. I mean, seriously, come on, Atari Codemasters. What are you thinking? Even Sega is supporting modding of their old Genesis games on Steam Workshop. I can't give a huge enough facepalm.gif for this. I'm seeing an untapped potential for new 2600 games, see Batari Basic, and especially lo-fi RPGs. At this rate, it's going to end up like another Ouya and Flop, and I would really hate to see that. I don't think it has as much money in it as the Ouya did, or... Yeah, no. I don't know who actually is pouring money into Atari at this point, but whoever it is, they are, they're interested in selling you Blade Runner tie-in speaker hats, so I don't know how much idea they have about anything. At what point was Atari ever really willing to work with developers? Uh, Well, we're talking about the company that long ago and far away uh, tried to sue companies for making third-party video games, so... Yes, exactly. But yeah, I would also just say that making 2600 games is, like, the worst nightmare imaginable. Go read Chasing the Beam. (laughs) So... It's it's almost difficult to wrap your head around how primitive 2600 har- hardware is in this day and age. So, it's, uh, your average Hallmark gift card with the little song that goes off whenever you open it has more processing power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, racing the beam, excuse me. But yeah, racing the beam is just like talking essentially about the limitations of the Atari VCS slash 2600, and it's a it's an illuminating read. We'll go with that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the era of when Atari nostalgia would have been was at a point where Atari and video game companies as a whole weren't really ready to chase nostalgia as a marketing tactic. Like, 
there there have been Atari anthologies left and right, but like I like they've never really done much other than dump a cheap emulation package on the store shelves and don't think too hard about it. And I suspect that that will never change. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> to be to be an Atari fan, you have to have been a child like forty years ago plus at this stage. So it's. Yeah, unless you're one of those people that grew up with the Jaguar and the Lynx, in which case this isn't the Atari you're nostalgic for. That was it's uh, the Atari you're nostalgic for is a unholy union of the kicked together remnants of freaking Epics, Commodore, and uh, Sinclair. So no one's nostalgic for the Lynx. It's a piece of crap. Someone I I have met people nostalgic for the Lynx. Oh no. Uh, Anything that you can name, you can probably find somebody nostalgic for it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how that's how Compile Heart and Idea Factory stay in business. Oh God! <sighs> by by having a carefully cultivated fan base that they can rely on to sell X number of units of no matter what they make. Oh God! It's a nightmare world. <laughs> All right. What else is in this question here? Stinkman's level. Yes, Searchman, I can't really recall that much, but I didn't play 8 as much as 1 through 6. I like Topman's level a lot, and maybe Centaur Man is a close second. I have no idea what Mega Man game Sega Centaur Man is in. It's one of the later ones, and as... I mean, I never played that one, but I think his, he was one of the guys with a time stop ability. Oh. thing is, um, most, of the, most of the Mega Man games I played... Um, were actually the Game Boy versions. Ah, yeah, so I played those I, a lot. I, rem- I remember the characters that were in those ones, especially 2, 3, and 4. And uh, oddly enough, I also used to have, a long time ago, the old PC game with three robot masters, huh. made specifically for, by an American studio. And uh, it was nothing... I mean, obviously, it played a lot like the actual games, but the three bosses were completely different from anything that's been in any of the games. <laughs> And I don't think Centaur Man ever showed up on any of those Game Boy games, so... Oh, no, he came after that series. So it must have been 6 or 7. Yep. Let's see here. may have been the same one that had Yamato Man. Yep. I believe that was 7. But Number 6 here. Number 6 for Centaur Man. Okay, number 6. Yeah, I don't think I ever played 6 on an actual and NES. And Yamato Man was 6. Yep. I remember renting five way back in the day, like well after the Super Nintendo had come out, and six came out even later. And I don't think I even ever played that. Yeah. One but of these days, I'm going to get the Legacy Collection. It's good. Yeah. Which games are on Legacy? Uh, Legacy has one through six, and then there's Legacy Collection two, which has uh, seven through ten. Yeah. I'm- one of these days, I'm just going to get Legacy Collection for 3DS. Yeah, that one's got 1 through 6. Uh, they never did a uh, second Legacy Collection for 3DS, so... What was the other one on? The other one is on X-Bone and PC. Well, you can get, I think you can get it on PC. Yeah, you can get it on Steam. I found it on Steam. There you go. I, mean, I, I still don't have a... Actually, can you use PlayStation 3 controllers with a computer? I... I believe so. I know you can use a PS4 controller, because that's what I usually I really go with. I really should but... But mm-hmm. there's probably... Since, uh, 
I, I never did get my PS3 fixed, uh. and it looks probably never going to. So, <laughs> so Essencia is going to be stuck in there for pretty much forever now. Maybe uh, I'll, I'll make get it fixed eventually. You, you might have to do like extra work to get the PS3 controller to work on PC, but I know you definitely can. But like PS4 controllers work right out of the box on Steam. I may just have to invest in one of those. Yeah. Alright, let's see here. Question for episode 70. If Shining Force 4 happened, what would you want or change in it? An open question, but you could narrow it down. Which one thing do you think the Shining Force series could improve on so it could excuse me, become a relevant series again in the West? Hmm. 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 I mean... Tough question. It's a defined relevancy. It's, yeah. Uh, well, first you need to make it. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest thing to be relevant is to make it. Um, hmm. I mean, we're getting pretty much all sorts of Japanese games under the sun these days, so... And, but the biggest issue is that Sega has obviously moved on from Shining Force to Shining Everything Else. Yeah. So it, it would be like trying to get an original-style Fantasy Star game made <laughs> after all the PSO games. It's just probably not going to happen. I mean, it's like... Or it would be like trying to get Xenogears after we're into Xenosaga or, or Xenoblade. It's just, it's... I think at this point I'd rather see like uh, Golden Sun Tactics or Golden Sun Force, Golden Force. And I mean, I mean, it may just be too much of a, I mean, just too much to actually get the original Camelot crew back together if they're all still alive and not making golf games and hope to capture the lightning in the bottle again. Yeah, and so I mean. It actually might be easier to just get a new group of developers together and ask them to, or pull them to see who actually likes Shining Force and have those guys make something. Yeah, I mean, bringing, but, getting the old band back together does not always work. I mean, sometimes yep. it, you sometimes you get a blue dragon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it turns out that the that the guys that you think are great at making games actually have some interesting philosophical I concepts that they really wanted to work in back in the day but weren't able to because either the hardware was and software just weren't able to do it or their editorial control had a very good idea of how bad it would turn out. <laughs> At limited saga. Um, yes. Oof. As a, as a good example of what happens when you relax editorial constraint over yeah. a project. Whoops! And let the and let the auteur in charge just go crazy. Yes, we all love Kawazu, but we do not like we do not love Kawazu that much. We do not enjoy Kawazu Unchained. Yep, some discretion is called for. Always, always. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, at this point, I'd rather see a new game in the style of Shining Force rather than just trying trying to resurrect a series that's been dead since what it's like 20 years now yeah and it's not worth it and i don't think there's enough nostalgia for it for it to be you know a quick cash in or anything like that so yeah 
Um, I mean, just look how Breath of Fire 6 turned out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what I'd really love to see is somebody on the indie scene try and make a nice game like that, because then they can obviously go for the same sort of uh, pixelated art style and do lots of cool stuff like that, and we've got a, gotten lots of cool games in that area. Uh, so, yeah, let's see some of that. I know there's some series that, uh, some indie series, Max Storm is what we're talking about, Mercenary Saga, that looks Shining Force-ish, so I may have to give that a try. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying is the one thing I'd like them to change is not to make another Shining Force. <laughs> I guess that's the point. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, there is su- there is such thing as mining for nostalgia, and then there is such a thing as doing it without telling anybody it's nostalgia and just making a good game. Yeah. I mean. Okay, let's take a look. Alliance Alive and Legend of Legacy. Nobody ever said up front that they were Saga games. Nope. Everybody knew it as soon as they saw footage, but it was never explicitly said. So. Yeah. Boy, did that turn out great. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. We have a PS here. Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden 2 is the weirdest thing to happen to JRPGs. I love living in this era. Also, you guys should check out Mega Man Sprite Game 2 and Mega Man Sprite Christmas? <laughs> what? These are basically a sprite-based comic using Mega Man in really, really bizarre ways. I'm not sure if I should be recommending this to you, Gilles. <laughs> it sounds really weird. It is. Alright. Okay, so let's keep going. Also, okay. lastly, the Tales of series at this point should just spin off into a Bandai Namco subsidiary a la Google Alphabet and just release Tales of games. Like they already are for every platform. It just yeah. makes more sense to me. I'm pretty sure this is close to what they're already doing. Yeah, it's like this in everything uh, but name, I guess? Yes. Uh, I mean, what we're talking about a spin-off subsidiary, you're basically saying the studio as a discrete unit. And that's about how they manage it. I mean, it's not as separated as Armor Project is from Square Enix, but that's because, well, because um, Horisan managed to hold on to the Dragon Quest trademark really fiercely and is protecting it personally. <laughs> so, but I mean, like, if you look at other companies, you have Kreatech, which is currently a subsidiary of. Um, Katokawa, formerly success, formerly something else. Something <laughs> out of business. Um, so it's not unusual, I mean, Camelot for that matter, it's just not unusual to see the studios treated as a subsidiary of the main company. Yeah, I'm, also, um, I'm also just not sure what exactly this would even accomplish. Like, It's not like they're being held down creatively or anything like that. Yeah. Um, he may be thinking of it more okay. like some, he may be thinking of it more like of the Western um, game companies and design studios, where they just they'll put a bunch of programmers together into one project and then dismantle the group afterwards. Uh. Whereas um, the Japanese industry has a lot of studios that are quite dedicated to specific series. Well, most in the case of Tales. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, that that explains things like how Furu's library, library of games is so weirdly disjointed in terms of quality. <laughs> because you, yeah. can tell, you can tell that their Vita development studio is not nearly on par with the 3DS development studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yes. You put your best guys where the most competition is. Yep. And, uh... Release tales of games for every platform. Where have you been sleeping? Because <laughs> that is that is the Bandai Namco game plan right there. What 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 platform is missing a tales game? I guess Switch. But um, there was a get period. there. There's no there's no Xbone tales game at the moment. Yeah, uh, no, no one cares any, though. Any, any platform that is even moderately successful in Japan is going to be getting a tales game. Which is why yep. Xbox is not getting one. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. yeah. Xbox and Xbox 360 games were more of a testing the waters to see if they could actually sell. Microsoft and everyone else involved gave up on Xbox except as far as it took to actually release it in Japan for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I feel like... <laughs> It, like there was a point where like it was a gamble about whether like the old ports and re like there was a period where like they would re-release like old Tales games on handhelds and it was a very up in the air proposition if we'd get any of those. But yeah, you did get Abyss. Yeah, that's, that's a good, nice. That's a good version. Yeah, I wish I could have finished that one, but the main character's voice acting in Japanese reminded me far too much of one particularly one particular snotty brat that I used to know. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm getting I'm getting flashbacks to this. I'm no I am just I can't even oh. the sound. Okay, wow. I'm just selling this thing back. Ugh. I assume you don't have Fury Lowenthal in English. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm assuming you don't have an American three D S you can play that version on. Nope. Uh damn. I'm. I mean, uh, I can't. If I, I, I remember writing an impression for Abyss and saying something along the lines of, "I really have to compliment Luke's voice actor for getting that awful teenage whiny voice down perfectly," which is why I really want to throw the 3DS through the window. <laughs> so, props to him for his acting ability, but no. Um, so. That's a shame, because yeah, the the American voice cast is really good. So, uh, so I have heard. Uh, I, I have to put a lot of time in between Tales games to begin with, just because it's. I've got a, I guess a an upper limit to the amount of anime ridiculousness I can handle. <laughs> Yes, it's good. It's it's a, always a good practice to limit your intake of tales. Could be unhealthy. Could reach unhealthy levels. Well, anyway, let's get away from this. All right. Okay. Budai. Oh, we, why? Uh, oh. Oh, one last comment from Evalor. Let's all pour one out for the 3DS version of Deep Dragon Quest Eleven in the West. Yep. Let's see, uh, I've got. I still have some Mountain Dew left in this game. So, salute. <laughs> Okay. Such a nice little version. Uh, at the same time, I can I can see why. Yeah. I mean, they have to already be considering pull, um, an exit from the 3DS market. 
and the combination of graphical styles in the 3DS version is going to be weird to anybody who's not already a big fan of the series. Yeah. And they just cannot count on the name selling umpteen million copies the way they can in Japan. I, mean, I think most of their recent 3DS releases were published by Nintendo in the West anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Square has ever been really into attempting to publish any of its DS or 3DS games in America. Yeah. 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 This is already a, the longest of shots. No, I, I would say Metal Magzino was the longest of shots. Okay, that's true. That's very true. Um, I mean, in this particular day and age, it is... I mean, anything can be considered possible for localization in America. It's just it's... Just some of the stuff that you have gotten over there, I'm just amazed. <laughs> that's one. That's one reason why Japandemonium column does not long does no longer exist. <laughs> What's there to bring up? It'll get announced next week. Pretty much. Pretty much. We still haven't gotten Yokai Watch Busters. That's that's the Yokai Watch Busters two column. Or three. Copyright uh, infringement boogaloo. Or Yokai Watch Busters two. Oh, that one. It was only. I mean. One game per three months with lo- with almost nil prospects of localization. That's not enough to base a column on. That's true. And that's a that's an annual issue. Yeah, and unfortunately, I still remember the the halcyon days of whenever I could just grab a copy of Famitsu from the store and page through the back section and find five RPGs in the little. We don't have enough room to talk about everything, so we're just going to give you a like a four by six square inch spot on the paper. You get the tiniest piece of information. So yourself, write your write your own press release. Yes. I mean, seriously, I used to be able to open that section and find five RPGs <laughs> on top of what on top of whatever else was actually being featured in the paper that week. And nowadays, I I still check every week, and it's usually the same three or four titles for RPGs every week. Oh wow! Up until at least. Um. I'm paying close attention right now, just in case that, just in case they release any Metal Max Xeno download codes, um, DLC, because sometimes. Do. So if anybody's wondering why the Japan column just folded up, it just it died a natural death. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> the, the industry it moved on, and it can no longer support that kind of coverage. I would say I miss it, but at the same time, I'm glad that we get things now, so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, ever since the, P- um, ever since the PSP and the DS period ended, the number of really odd niche RPGs has gone down dramatically. <sighs> that's, that's the downside. We get things now partially because there's less things to get. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I got. I have my Vita now, and I keep searching the the stores for anything interesting that has not already been released in America because that's what I, I tend to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, my list is Airship Q and Superheroine Chronicle. Slim pickings. As, slim pickings. As, yeah, riding the bomb down. Um, so, yeah, those are the only two I can definitely identify as never having an American release. Um. I'm still. I mean, would you guys recommend Disgaea Three for portable? Yes. 
Okay, just because I, I've tried the Nipponichi games before, and I generally do not have enough time to sit down in front of the TV and play them. Portable is sort of where they're meant to be. Yeah, and yeah I figured. Do you want to know what my runtime through the main story in Disgaea 3 was? Sure. 30 hours. If you just do the main story, they're fairly reasonably like that. Except, <laughs> except five, sir. Except five. I know, me. I mean, Disgaea 1, I'm sure it could have been that short, except I, it kept upping the levels on me for the, the enemy, so I had to keep going back into item world to boost, um, to build up. So. Yeah, 3 is a nice, brisk 30 hours, and still my favorite game in the series. Other than that, um, I found Borderlands 2. It's <laughs> a nice, odd little port. I'm kind of interested to see exactly why the Japanese ratings board gave it a Z. Um, Wait, did I miss something? What got a Cero Z? Borderlands? Z, no, oh, border- Z, what? Z is the rating that they give for either extremely violent content or for something so blatantly sexual that they cannot... Um, Can't pretend it's not porn. Pretty much, yes. Um, so... Uh, very few games actually end up with a Z rating, and most of them are American games based around like the Grand Theft Auto model, but maybe a little more violent. The only Japanese-developed game that I can think of off the top of my head that was a Zero Z was No More Heroes, which yeah. earned it. <laughs> Outside that, like maybe Dead Rising 1. <laughs> Anything where you have to just, just kill a lot of things. Several of the zombie games... Yeah. Zero zombies. Yeah. Let's take a look here. Um, like Skyrim, got it. So did L.A. Noir. Doom, oddly enough, did for violence and Wolfenstein. Gasp! If it's the new Doom, that's not at all surprising. <laughs> yeah, well, these are all. Um, I'm starting with the Switch. There are four Z ratings on the Switch. Five for Wii U, including Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, two of those, Call of Duty. The Call of Duty games tend to get Z'd pretty often. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Ninja Gaiden 3. Uh, oh, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's and, bloody. Uh, oddly enough, exactly one Nintendo DS game. Um, hmm. Ninja Gaiden? Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword? No, Dragon Sword wouldn't have been bad enough. Resident Evil? I got a T in the U.S. Grand Theft Auto Chinatown. Oh, oh, forget that exists. List, listed for violence and criminal activity. It's, uh, there's some actual drug selling in that game, so yes. <laughs> yeah. But let's see, for PlayStation 4, that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. There's a lot. <laughs> there are a lot of these, but I mean, it's. It's like five Call of Duties here, just alone. Yeah, but I mean, it's. You have stuff like Mafia 3 and Mad Max, Psycho Break. Doom, um, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, ended up on this list somehow. Um, Far Cry 4, Fallout 4, The Order, quite a few um, Western RPGs. Um, Witcher, Witcher 3. Yes. Um, I mean, you can understand why the Japanese uh, ratings board would give them Zs. Most of these have listings that say um, violence and crime. Okay. I love that Viol- crime can have a listing. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, violence is the number one. Um, some of them don't have list content icons, but things like alien association or, or whatever, <laughs> isolation. Oh, alien isolation. Yeah. Um, I can imagine it had some just to do with like gross imagery or something. Um, the one yeah. with the most content warnings is Outlast. I don't know. Oh, that. yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yes. <laughs> Um, the listings include sexualization, um, violence, terror, crime, language, and assorted other. That's about to join the Switch list as well. Good times. Oh, oh boy. Um, but yeah, almost everything else is just violence and crime, one or the other, or usually both. If there's only one thing, it's going to be violence. <laughs> Sarah Z, if you buy this, the other kids will think you're rad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, PlayStation Vita only has a handful. Hmm. And, and oddly enough, um, oddly enough, Borderlands is not on this list, so I think huh. Wikipedia needs to be updated. Um, but, uh, I mean, it can get really... Um, yeah, for the Japanese rating system, it's always going to prioritize violence over sexuality or rating. Which has, mm -hmm. like, Jim Toshi manages to get away with a D rating for 3DS. <laughs> because they managed to um, remove most of the direct references to the fact that you are conquering, literally conquering women. The slaves of the Video games. <laughs> What's all the noise over there, Wheels? That's not me. That's not you? Sorry, I must have uh, jostled my mic. Apologies. Okay. No worries. But, uh, what else here? PlayStation 3 has a ton. House of the Dead, Overkill, Director's Cut, Contents Icon, three question marks. Um, <laughs> I think somebody needs to go back and check. Yeah. <laughs> no one played it. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah, a... yeah, the Fallout games and the Fire Cry games both all got um, contents icons for violence and crime. That's surprising. I remember, I remember House of the Dead Overkill because it was like, like at some point someone measured how many how many times the f bomb got dropped, and it was like, it was for a game that was at most two hours long, it was a crazy number. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure if they would have cared that much for, on the Japanese side. Oh, probably not. It was just something that I remembered about it. Very, very few languages cur um, care as much about cuss words as American English does. It's much, it's much harder to, to be clear that you're cursing that hard in Japanese. So, oh, no, I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways to cuss that hard. It's just that they're all variant grammar on common verbs. Yeah. Um, it's all about how you said that verb. Yeah. Oh, oh here we have Lollipop Chainsaw Premium Edition. Didn't know with there was the a premium that, edition. <laughs> with the note that the regular edition was rated D. <laughs> what did no, they add? That. What did they add? I'm not quite sure what they did there, but Because, yeah. like, the, the regular version of it seems like it would be enough. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, Tearing zombies in half with a chainsaw. Yep. Let me see if I can find this. I'm now very curious. 
lollipop chainsaw, now with more violence. I can only imagine that it might be a case of, like, perhaps the premium edition with an uncensored version. Mm. How uncensored, we have to wonder. But, uh, let's see, Xbox One got, again, Assassin's Creed, Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, Shadow of Mordor, Saints Row, Dead Rising, Far Cry, um, let's see, Witcher, Wolfenstein, um, okay, no Doom. Is no Doom on Xbox One? Amazing. No, there is a version of Doom. Maybe it just didn't come out in Japan. A lot of times, like, Xbox One versions of things don't seem to come out in Japan. (laughs) I mean, almost everything on this list appears on every other list, so... I'm just imagining the plight of being the one Xbox fanboy in Japan. That one sad person that's just waiting, hoping that, like, the version that came out in every... Like, just has an import store on speed dial. Yeah. Let's see, um, Xbox 360, Onechambara. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, Tastefully subtitled Bikini Samurai Squad in the U.S. Yes, tastefully, yes. I can, <laughs> I can hear the air quotes. <sighs> Deus Ex, uh, Contents Icon Unknown. Um, yeah. Someone bring back the uh, Simple 2000 series. Oh, that. Oh, here we. Oh, I finally found Borderlands 2 under Xbox 360. Uh, so, hmm. where it belonged. But yeah, okay, we've just gone away all the way through this, and it's pretty obvious what Japan considers worthy of the Z rating. Yeah, it's it a little different. It all has to deal with exactly how graphically you blow somebody's head off. I mean, like, you'll sometimes get uh, Japanese games that only come out uncensored for violence in English. See also Resident Evil 4 that pans the camera down every time Leon's head would be chopped off on screen. Uh, Yeah, that's... What question were we on? (laughs) I don't even remember. Wow. Had to do with a thing about the thing. We went on a really, really, really ancient <laughs> off of 3DS version of Dragon Quest XI. Okay, oh, yeah. okay <laughs> continuing on. Dragon Quest XI 3DS, rated Z. Uh-huh. Why do you feel Western developers prefer older characters and Japanese developers younger heroes? Is it more than just target audience? This is from Budai, by the way. Yes. Um, I'm sure it started out as target audience back in the 80s and 90s. But a lot of it just comes from the fact that the Japanese gaming tradition stems out of the shonen manga tradition. And you, yeah. just, you just have a tendency towards younger protagonists. I mean, you will find older characters, you'll find quite a few older characters in, pro- in prominent positions in the genres. It's just, you, it, the average skews younger. Just sort of... Like, it's, it's a domino effect. Like, it started out there, and then it just... Well, that's... That's what you make. That's who you how you who you have in your starring roles. I would say more as a chicken and the egg. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But, yeah, that's sort of what you're left with. Western audiences, you get... Western games, you get a bald white dude with a gun. Japanese games, you get a shonen protagonist. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. Oh, certainly. 
But a lot of a lot of the exceptions are an attempt to mimic the, the Western style. I mean, like Dragon's Dogma. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or they I mean, just make your own. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. But nobody in that game, or none of the possible protagonists in that game, ever looked teenage. Yeah. You really had to work the character creator to get someone looking that young. Um, yeah, it was very much them trying to sort of bite the Skyrim style market. So. And they did a pretty good job of it. I wish they did something besides online after that. The, oh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they've never one really of the gone back to it. One of the better Japanese April Fool's events I saw this year um, for Dragon's Dogma Online uh, and from March 31st to April 2nd you could get a special DLC pack that lets you run around looking almost nude. <laughs> it was the Naked Emperor package. Wow. Listen, I'm sure they were very fine clothes. Oh no, I mean the actual the actual term um, the actual name in Japanese was like Hadaka something or other. It was it was definitely oh. naked something. <sighs> Well, it would have been a fun joke if it was bothered to be... If it was something that was being localized into English. Just insert that joke. It's fine. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. Like... I, I feel like there's simultaneously too much for us to go into here and not enough for us to go into quickly, so... <laughs> yes. Okay, then, here. Next Budai. Do you, fe do you feel people get caught up too much in things making sense versus just allowing things if it's more fun? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is getting into like the jelly bean, or yeah, the jelly bean question. I think I'm familiar bean. with that one. Do you know the uh, story "Repent Harlequins of the TikTok Man? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in um, in the story, the, the Harlequin, one of the one of the tales of his chaotic depredations is he manages to sabotage some machinery by throwing jelly beans into it. And the official report notes that they don't know where he got the jelly beans because the last machines capable of making them were replaced like 50 years ago. And for some reason, the fandom really latched onto this and started bothering Harlan Ellison at almost every signing and convention he went to, asking him about the jelly beans. <laughs> when he it was obviously just supposed to be a sign of exactly how Harlequin was a literal force of chaos in this short story. And how it really doesn't matter where he got the jelly beans, it's just it was a funny um, one-liner. Yeah, it's one of those things like, okay, how did he get them? Does it matter? Do you want to take time out of the story to tell me? Because honestly, it doesn't matter as long as he has them. Exactly, but... Um, it got to the point where it was almost a game for some trollish fans to... Um, just stand up for a question at a like a panel like at a convention, convention and ask him about the jelly beans and then just watch him have a breakdown. <laughs> like one wonders, one wonders why Harlan Ellison very publicly does not go to science fiction conventions. <laughs> yeah, I mean the absolute worst story I remember hearing was he was at a con um, Ellison was at a convention and he met this young very. Uh, vivacious looking lady who's a fan of his work and they were getting along really really well and it looked like things might be going somewhere and then when he went to the toilet for a moment somebody handed her a a jar of jelly beans and told her that they were his favorite oh and, yeah. no yes um and he yeah he had a massive 
just melt down, screamed at her, and stormed out, and she was in tears. Yikes. That person ruined multiple people's days. Lovely. Yes. Um, so, some of the worst trolling I've ever heard of, to be honest. And it's all based on this basic thing of sometimes people care too darn much over the little details. So. It's just, you know, like, unless you're... T- Unless it affects, unless it matters to the story where it came from, just accept that it's there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it. I think a lot of it has to also goes with how, um, especially in America, media has been skewing much more towards it needs to be as realistic as possible, no matter how unrealistic the concept. Mm-hmm. So you end up with people complaining about fallouts, everything not conforming to certain laws of physics or radiation or whatever. Okay. Not really because they compare not really because they care that much about the details, but because Fallout itself is trying to present itself as realistic in one way or another and it cannot be. Even though it's very obviously a parody of what fifties understanding of nuclear uh, of both like pop culture and legitimate nuclear concepts were. Yes. But I mean you'll see this in like people arguing over the re- realistic, uh, how realistic the physics of the latest Marvel movie was. Oh, for and the love of God! Like, exactly. I mean, the the people making the movie or the game, they know that it's not supposed to be highly. I mean, it's not supposed to be as realistic as possible because otherwise it wouldn't be possible. <laughs> but yeah. they still they still try to make things look realistic and look like they could possibly happen. Just even though everyone knows that you have to wink and wear your disbelief suspenders to make it possible. Yeah. And and in any fandom, there will be too many people who just care too much. Excuse me, I'm ignoring every thematic element of your story so that I can complain that it's not actually possible to make a suit out of... uh, make an Iron Man suit in a desert. Listen, I don't care if Ant-Man is fun and brilliant and awesome and That's hilarious. That's not how mass works. Excuse yeah. me. Checkmate. <laughs> but like, oh, the thing changing like, the distance between atoms wouldn't do that. Like, it's just this, how this would awful... You know, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I'll change the distance between your atoms and we'll find out. Boom. But, but, yeah, I just... Like, every time I think about it, it's just like, the only thing that matters is that the story is in some fashion internally consistent. As long as it obeys its own rules, it doesn't matter how arbitrary those rules are. And hell, if it's a comedy, it doesn't have to obey its own rules either. (laughs) Just, um, I mean, go back to my review of Metal Mechs 4 and read the first paragraph and see what my opinion is on this kind of thinking. (laughs) (laughs) To quote, it breaks almost every known rule of engineering, genetics, pharmacology, um, structural engineering, it just throws them out the window. And there is enough cracked science in here to give Neil deGrasse Tyson an embolism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's good. You got to love a game series where they look at all the possible complaints you can make about how unrealistic the science is and just says, okay, we'll just throw out science completely and just have fun. Because we know you don't want realism, you want shark bears. (laughs) 
People want something. Some, people don't want realism. They want either fun, verisimilitude, or both. But they don't care about thing, something being like a sane person doesn't care about how possible it is because that's not a story. Just give me the shark bears, man. I'll take all the shark bears. Little next three and four, dude. Okay. Um, <laughs> Better be in Zeno. Hopefully in Zeno, yeah. But I mean, you're talking about sane people don't care about this. Well, unfortunately, a lot of fans do. Yeah, that's why I said sane people. Important qualifier. Yeah. Obsession is a dangerous thing, and I say oh, this as a person who is habitually Um So to continue with Budine, or do you think having things like timelines or continuity is a good thing? I mean, well, timelines and continuity is a slightly different question than what we were just discussing. So, But it could be things like uh, uh, Zelda. Ugh. Oh boy! Like people got really upset that they made a timeline, even though the timeline said this is just a thing that, like, eh, this is a way you could arrange them. We don't care and might rearrange this at any point for any reason. And half the reason we're doing this is because you guys were griping so much about there not being a timeline. <laughs> yeah, but, like it's, it... but I'm also thinking like your average um, comic book continuity, like the big difference between Western comic books and Japanese manga, in. Mm. The West, every, in the comic books, everything has to be connected somehow, and it has, like, the most ridiculously convoluted continuity and timeline ordering that you would ever think impossible. And in manga, it's just like, okay, we have a self-contained series right here that is not connected to any other series. And it works so much better. Yeah, like... Like, it's in part just that, like, when... <laughs> Well, for example, when Akira Toriyama stops writing Dragon Ball, they basically stop making Dragon Ball for a while. Um, until well, he agrees to do more. Let's not talk about GT. We don't have to talk about GT. Actually, well, technically, uh, Toriyama has a habit of actually connecting all of his other minor comics back into Dragon Ball somehow. Well, he likes to make crazy things like Jacko the uh, Galactic Patrolman and stuff like that. Well, did but you it's read also the, uh, Only bits of it. I haven't read all of it, but I do Jacko? know that it ends with a connection. Jacko, it's is a completely a prequel to Dragon Ball. <laughs> uh, Jack Jacko's mission to Earth is to prevent a dangerous life form from arriving on the planet. However, mm, this seems suspicious. Due to events of the manga, he has to prioritize some other things, and he ends up missing the window of blocking the creature from arriving. The creature turns out to be Son Goku. Yeah. So, yes. But, and yeah. we also get to see a five-year-old Bulma and meet her big sister, who is a major <sighs> character in the manga. Who, of course, never showed up again. <laughs> yes. For for actual reasons that are stated at the end of the manga. So Yeah. But, yeah, so. like it's perhaps a bad example, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you, uh, like, how much of it is there going to be? Eh, the person who made it will decide that. Yeah. I mean, outside of some artists who really just like to put in cameos from their previous work into the current series, um, Toriyama and Clamp are about the only um, oh man, Clamp continuity groups that will actually actively cross over their own material. You sit down and try to make sense of Tokyo Reservoir Chronicle. You do that. Um, well, um, I do have the DS game Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicle on my shelf. I will be playing it eventually, so we, we shall see. 
<laughs> um, but I, I'd imagine that that has a new ending, just like the animated, because I don't think the manga was finished anywhere near that point. Yeah. Um, so, you never know. Um, all I know is that it somehow has connections to card captors and XXXHolic. Yeah, I think that's the tip of the iceberg, as I recall reading about. Yeah. I have a friend who would probably understand better, but... Yeah. But, I mean, the only other mangaka I can think of who had the same bod like breadth of body of work would be Rumiko Takahashi, and she didn't cross over that. Yeah, I think she still does manga, but, like, yeah, she oh, doesn't... Yeah, I mean, um, Inuyasha restarted. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. I think so. Oh, let me check. It was either that or Ranma. Um, something got re republished recently. Um, that would make slightly that would make me slightly less confused. Let's see. Uh, but yeah, like she mostly resisted the temptation to just have characters just keep showing up. It was difficult because, as I recall, there was pressure on her to keep Inuyasha running past its appointed endpoint. That would explain a great deal about Inuyasha. Yeah. I mean, basically the same thing that happened to Dragon Ball. Oh, heavens. Like, I just looked at this and, like, I did not... I, I knew that she had done something after Inuyasha. I did not know what its name was. I did not remember how long it had lasted. It apparently ended last year, but it was called Rinne, and that's nearly... Yeah. That's, like, 40 volumes. That's, that's nothing compared to how long some series go these days. Oh, yeah, I mean, Hajime no Ippo and Jojo. Oh, I'm thinking One Piece and Naruto. Like, Those Naruto things. is at least over, and One Piece, I don't think, will ever know how to die. But, I mean, like, I think... Is that 180 now? No, no, no that's like 80-something. Uh, like, I, I was just thinking of, like, the ones that I knew that, like, had been in some form of circulation since the 80s, so... But will they ever find so the One Piece? Ahead. Have they? Did they ever find the One Piece? Tell me. No. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> At least as far as I know, because I've only read up to like volume thirty-four, so I only read it when I go to this one curry restaurant in town, and they have the entire series on the shelf. Oh heavens! Um, that must be a very large shelf by this point. Oh, it's not the only series on the shelf. It's an oh. entire wall. Oh, and this, it's a common feature or a common fixture of this particular franchise of curry restaurants. Uh, but yeah, um, which I don't remember. I don't remember if Sergeant Frog is still ongoing or not. I don't recall ever hearing it ending, but it could very well have happened. Let's see, what does the English Wikipedia claim? Uh, claims it's still ongoing. So, yeah, the manga is, um, the manga was also, uh, not quite as frequently public and put out as some of the others, so the actual number of volumes is probably not as high. So. Yeah. Some of these, like, they'll move magazines and, like, that'll change their, like, how long it takes. Like, they might have monthly, yeah. mag monthly chapters for a while or things like that. Yeah, or just go on hiatus. Though, though I did like how Sergeant Frog handled the anim manga to anime discrepancy. Time discrepancy. How'd they go about that? Well, I mean, like most series that you look at, you have some sort of filler episodes at times. Yeah. Like, like Naruto's one thousand episodes of filler. 
or um, or Dragon Ball just changing every little joke bit that Toriyama ever did into a canon episode. Um, yeah. But as I recall, the Sergeant Frog anime for the time it lasted, it would often take one a plot out of one section of one of the manga and use that as a starting point and then expand on it. Mm. That's a good way to go about it. Yeah. But it was also it was also canonically in a sep- in an alternate universe version of the manga which was not completely obvious except one character had a different name that was still a joke on numerology. <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh... It's always a fine line, but at the very least, I, w- I can forgive a lot of Dragon Ball Z's bad filler just by virtue of the fact that, like, Goku and Piccolo trying to get driver's licenses is, like, a comedic goldmine. Yes, that that was just one of the little um, omake things that Toriyama did once. Just remember. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, a lot of Dragon Ball Z's filter was simply how long each battle went. Yeah, it's just like, well, there's not enough chapters to adapt yet, so here, how about these characters do a bit more screaming to fill out some screen time? Yep. Yeah. Filler, wonderful. Nowadays, it seems like Shonen anime is more prone to actually just taking a break and giving them more time to have more anime, more manga to adapt, so that's probably healthier. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh... I think we moved away from uh, timelines and continuity, so let's quickly loop back through this question. Uh, does it really matter if Bowser always changes sizes with no explanation, or why Mario allows him in an RPG party and plays tennis with him? Nope, all nope. Marios are nope. secretly stage plays. Doesn't matter. Uh, good RPG example would be FF13 when they said towns don't make sense because the players are on the run. Don't really believe that statement to begin with, but if so, it's never been... It's never mattered in all the other Final Fantasies where they're on the run. Even if it doesn't make sense, at what point is the line drawn? If a game doesn't make any sense, it may become a problem, but sometimes it must be okay. You accept that a story has to the, has to tell you sweet lies to pretend that like human that lives work in a matter that pr- appropriates a story that yeah. become that can be arranged as a story. Video games tell you lies all the time to gesture at things they can't make. FF13 is a combination of assets that happen to be made, none of which happen to be towns. So, mm-hmm. that sweet lie that they tell you is a very bad cover-up, but it's also an unsurprising one. But hey, they added towns in the sequel, and it made it worse, so... That's not go. what made FF13 too worse. Everything <laughs> made it worse. Everything. That's not The towns are not at fault here. They were pretty awful. That's not the reason, like, the concept of towns was not the problem. Here. Okay, well, I won't delve too much into that topic because it's we're not doing this again it's a giant it's a giant uh, bucket of worms we've upgraded from the can <laughs> but yeah like sometimes like you have to accept repeat to yourself it's just a show I should really just relax yeah like um, Monster Hunter you should probably be asking shouldn't some of these things be extinct by this point no, just... Or how how do they even manage to have or to support an ecology? Like yes, that? yes. It's a very strange ecology. And the answer is, who cares? Let me make more di- dinosaur hats. Some or, things actually, are accepted. Or one of my favorite um, if, talking about thinking things through too much. One of my favorite observations on the common design for dragons in a lot of games is if you look at the placement of eyes on an, a creature, forward-facing usually means predator, whereas side-facing usually means 
um, prey, because the prey has to have a larger field of vision to watch out for danger, whereas the predator is very focused. But if you look at a lot of illustrations of dragons, they have their eyes set on the sides. So the question is, what is predating on the dragons? Hmm. Let's all learn about apex predators. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking of the frickin' Simpsons joke of the food chain that's just everything point pointing at a human. <laughs> so, let's see what else. Let's see. Oh, we got something from some guy named Wheels. <laughs> By the way, here's where you can find Gaijin's book, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. So I, I cleaned up the link a little bit for you, Wheels. Um, just to, for aesthetic purposes. Thank you. <laughs> I tried to convince him to put that link in the opening post, and he forgot again. No, he did, and then mm. I fixed it. Uh, oh, nice. I put it in the... Oh, I don't know. What is memory? I yelled at you right before you posted the thread. Uh, no, I think it was after I posted the thread, and I just sent you, like, a troll pic, because I was, like, getting into my car or something. I hate this life. Could not go back and edit it at that moment. I hate this life. Uh. Okay, well, actual next comment here, again, Budai. The first three Dragon Quests were all released a year after each other. Could you imagine a modern scenario where we saw Dragon Quest 12, 13, and 14 all by 2020? No. So not no. with them being good. No. I was yeah, going to no. say, let's take a moment. Three, two, one, maniacal laughter. Okay? <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Three, two, one. <laughs> 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 <Okay>. <clears throat> uh, no. Um, no. 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 Uh, I mean, the only way that would work is if you do what Gust was doing for quite a long time and simply work really hard to make a robust game engine that you could hold on to and recycle every year for six years straight or seven years. Mm. Um, you also need to make like a robo-Yuji Hori. Yes. The fact that Yuji Hori is in complete control of the creative side of the series still, after all these years, um, first of all means that the games are going to be pretty good. Um, but it also means that we are stuck at his schedule. What you might call a bottleneck. <laughs> Plus, let us remember that the first three Dragon Quests, well, the first one was very short. The second one was average by current RPG Maker standards for Link. And included the first game's map in it. And the third one included the previous two games' map in it. <laughs> As the uh, the secret later, the second last third of the game, but yeah. Asset recycling before it was cool. Yep. Yeah. So basically, um, a modern scenario would have to be where the company is feeling safe enough in the in the system that they have created that they don't mind recycling assets at a regular base, um, regular speed, and. Um, Find some way of not make of making each game not identical to the previous one. Yeah, it's. Uh, so, I don't um, think that he. Basically, Gust. Gust is the only modern company I can think of that does this. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that there's a way that they could do this that wouldn't just like oversaturate the market at this mm. stage. Yeah. 
coming Dragon soon. Dragon Quest games are also just super long now. Coming soon, a special collaboration between Square Enix and uh, Tecmo Koei. Dragon Quest 12 through 15. Tecmoe? Tecmo Koei? Koei no, Tecmo, I'm calling them Tecmoe now. Tecmoe? Moe. It seems about right. Uh, uh, then, then we'll start confusing them. Actually, never mind. They've gotten guessed. Okay, Moe. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Tech Moe counts. Uh, let's see. Development has changed so much. Maybe Assassin's Creed were putting out games at that pace. Yeah, that was because they had like four different studios that all worked on them at the same time. I was going to say, that's the other way of handling it. That's how the Final Fantasy series started out. You had First Division yeah. and Second Division working in tandem. And then they stopped doing that because Toriyama and others took over the main production and held on to it. So. Yeah, there's like there's others like a lot of the Western AAA devs that do things yearly do that. It's like, oh, this one's developed like Ubisoft is a big one. I mean, Call of Duty is like infamous at this stage for like, oh, this is one of the ones made by X team, so X number of people will not bother playing it. <laughs> but. Uh... I remember Activision literally, like, essentially bragging that, like, oh, we're giving them three years to make each one now, because there's three companies each making a Call of Duty at all times. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. All on the aging Quake 3 engine. I'm pretty sure they still have bits of it in there, to this day. Still there. Uh, do you remember what it was like the first time you saw a GBA? I remember thinking a portable SNES was all I would ever need. Handhelds were always way behind consoles, but Switch is as close to being on equal terms with the most with the most powerful console as I presume there's an implied as we've yet seen. Do you think the next major handheld will be on equal terms? Not if Nintendo makes it, aka the only company that would make it. Yeah. So, okay, first time I saw a Game Boy Advance, that would be... Uh... Christmas of 2002 when I got sent one via international mail to France um, with a copy of Mega Man Zero and the Fantasy Star Collection. Nice. Those are some curious emulations. Uh, I think the first time I remember seeing it, I was like, no backlight? Eh. And I never got the original Game Boy Advance. Good I point. saw it and was like, oh man, this looks like a Super Nintendo. I was in a store. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was its main selling point. It was like it was a portable Nintendo, a Super Nintendo. Yeah, it's yeah. A, let's do all of the hardware tricks that the SNES, but in so, that the SNES does, but in software. I'm a big fan nowadays of looking at the crazy, horrifying, horrifying things that companies did to try to coax more verisimilitude with current consoles out of the GBA. There's a lot of very strange attempts to make ever, like crazy things like 3D platformers on that system. Yeah, I've played some of these. <laughs> yeah. I There's some. some of these. Yeah. But yeah, um, talking about the next major handheld, it's quite possible that the Switch is the next major handheld. Like it's it's not clear at this stage how Nintendo intends to upgrade on that, but it'll probably be some relative of the Tigra pro- the Tigra chip that the Switch currently runs on. So, yeah, um, and like I think we discussed this last time, or maybe two one or two weeks ago. If if Microsoft or Sony wanted to get in on the on the cons- on the uh, portable market now again, 
they would have to outcompete the Switch at its own game. And even even the hardiest of competitors has found that it is nearly impossible to dethrone the kind of buy-in Nintendo has at portables. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Vita was the closest you're going to get with the fact that it works with a PS4 in some ways similarly to a Switch, how a Switch works by itself. With the only issue being that you need the PS4 and the Vita together to get the same functionality. Sort of. Maybe. And even then, it's a gimped form of that functionality. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Yeah. Nintendo has, once again, managed to work itself into a niche that nobody else is ever going to be able to pry it out of. And, honestly, like... I, I think that it's probably healthier for everyone's bottom line if they don't try to compete on power in a handheld form factor because that it will lead to handhelds that cook themselves, explode, and or cost $800. <laughs> so. I, in other words, let's take a look at the, um, at the smartphone market to see where this could possibly go and then be thankful that, that Nintendo's wither tech philosophy tells them to hold back and see how the, the other side explodes first before trying this. On the bright side, the uh, the ch- choices they made with the Switch seem to have done have dovetailed nicely with the fact that developers are now actually attempting to make things that work on lower end because they're doing horrifying experiments of making your Xbox One X play against someone's iPhone. So, Yeah. That's been actually a source of tremendously beautiful gifts on social media, at least in in the West. It's just been like, oh, here's a here's a gif of someone playing like one of those battle royale games between like a console player against a mobile player, and like the console player is just literally dancing around the mobile player as their inadequate controls cause them to swing wildly <laughs> from left to right, trying to aim at them. It's a, it's a very good gift. Yeah. But to, to continue on this line, so now that Nintendo has combined its handhold and console market, is there a future for them where they could split it back into two? I think no. we've pretty much covered this. The 4DS. Oh, yeah. God. So we, we have hit the Rubicon. There is no going back from this. Um, like, he's, he mentions like the power gaps are becoming so small. That is, in fact, the reason why. Um, it's gotten to the point where there is not going to be that much of a difference between a console and the portable using the same um, since the hardware is capable of doing either one. It's it's also just one of those things where it's like it's just whatever that would be like once they start doing that like even if they would have to create a value proposition for both of them separately again that outweighs the form factor they currently have and the form factor they currently have is literally the entire thing it's selling on essentially mm. yes mm-hmm. it's uh it would be ill advised to even attempt <laughs> pretty much but so, give me my 40s anyway <laughs> not going to happen says you you and I will play you will play Wolfenstein and Street Fighter collection on Switch with me and you will like it probably I figured the the 4DS is going to get lost in a temporal discontinuity so let's just skip ahead to the 5DS (laughs) I want to play my Tesseract darn it oh man think of what you could have at some point it's just going to turn into a holodeck now I'm just thinking about how much 
this is an unrelated statement, but whenever I think of Tesseracts, I just think about, what if we had nicknamed cubes hypersquares? That's basically <laughs> what we do with Tesseracts. <laughs> well, it's just that, uh, yeah, we can see cubes. We can hold cubes. We have to think really hard for hypercubes and Tesseracts. Maybe you do. Okay, I do too. <laughs> yeah. I just really like the word hypersquare. I won't let it go. Actually, now I'm thinking um, the old 8-bit theater sprite comic where summons orbs from Final Fantasy were described as hypercubes. <laughs> Actually, this, the, uh, the science explained of the summons spells in Final Fantasy was that they were actually hypercubes that connected to a different dimension. Of course, this is coming from the character Red Mage in that comic, who also had developed his spells to a min-maxed level where, forget Ice 1, Ice 2, or Ice 3, he had Ice 9. And it behaved exactly like the material in Cat's, uh, <laughs> Cat's Cradle. Mm -hmm. I was thinking. So he, ne he had the spell and he could describe how it worked and he was never going to use it because it would end all life on the planet. <laughs> That's fine. Yes. <sighs> yeah, I think that, that takes us to our close. Yeah. Well, I was going to say one more thing on that. Since they went from the 3DS to the 2DS, mm -hmm. oh God. clearly the actual next step is not the 4DS, but the 1DS. That would you want to buy a line? Which would be the yeah. Switch, because it has one screen. Oh my god. It all makes sense now. No, just go go all the way down to zero DS, where it's actually a chip that they implant into the front of your brain. <laughs> you can focus on just that, that point and uh, play the game. Excellent. Where can I pre? Where can I pre-order? Can I inject the pre-order into my brain? No, it's not ready yet. <laughs> You'll die. We will all die in the technological singularity that is going to happen because Nintendo or because one of the game companies decided to expand its technology too far. We'll end up in a Caligula scenario. Oh no. <laughs> See, I, I, I have not actually played the game and I've heard it did not turn out exactly the way I imagined it would, but I really loved the idea of a tech singularity happening because a Hatsune Miku knockoff decided or got too focused on making her fans happy. <laughs> I would enjoy a uh, version of that concept that apparently played well. I I know it came out in English. I didn't actually get around to it. Yeah, from, I mean, my comments on Furyu's PS Vita development stuff um, uh, really hit the mark here. But it, sound, it really sounded like they focused too much on the, oh, you can recruit everybody in the school potentially part, when they should have been focusing more on the Scooby Squad the way pers the Persona games do. Especially given that it was written by one of the guys who wrote, like, Persona 2. It was... It looks so much Persona-ish, yes. I mean, yeah, it, it was... Yeah. It was Satomi Tadashi of Persona 1 and 2. But, yeah, I guess they're re-releasing it for PS4? I yep. don't know that I believe that'll be any better, but... Here's to hoping. Here's to hoping. I might, I might get it sometime just to mess with it. I doubt Atlas bothers... Like, Atlas released the first one in the U.S., the first version in the U.S. I doubt they bother releasing the second, but 
Go ahead, I've surprise only, me. Only, I've only got the PS Vita, so that's the version I'm playing. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things. Like, if they release Overdose in the US, I might give that version a shot if it proves to be any better. But it sounds like they just spread themselves way too thin for what kind of budget and yeah. capacity they had. Yeah, that's why I said, like, the uh, recruit everybody thing. They should have just focused a bit more tightly and stuff. So. Oh, they actually had to change the engine they were working on for the remake, so that must be a pretty ground-up one, at least. Oh, wow. New route, new endings, new go-home club members, new composers, and new songs. So, who knows? <sighs> oh, well. Video games are over. Podcasts are over. Wheels, book report. Book report? Book report. I did not have any time because... If you say that your dog ate it, I will give you one more week. <laughs> no, my wife worked this weekend, which meant that I was uh, overburdened with children. So Okay, that's no, at least a reasonable excuse. No reading for yeah. me. It's hard to read when your two-year-old comes up to you and is like, Blaze on TV? What does that mean? <laughs> Blaze and the Monster Machines. I don't know what that is, and I'm happy it's for that. Is, is, that the old, is that the old TV series about the monster things that were actually plants? No, it's about a talking monster machine voiced by Nolan North. Like a, a like monster truck. No, it's... it's, uh, it's uh, in better news, okay. I, in better news okay. I got my son watching the old uh, DC animated shows. Uh, Batman the Animated now Series. Now you have an excuse to watch Batman the Animated, animated Series. Yes. yes, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Uh, the Basically, more... the best versions of the DC characters on yes. screen. And also, pretty much the more recent Batman: The Brave and the Be Brave and the Bold. So, which also is just as fun, but kind of weird. Yeah, but that means he knows some of the oddball characters like Blue Beetle, Red Tornado. True. Which is really what DC wanted from that. Yeah. And yeah, in fact his grandmother got him a red tornado toy for Easter and he's obviously he was like, Oh my god, red tornado. I'm surprised she was able to find such a toy. Uh it's <laughs> uh I've seen it around some of the hmm. surprisingly. Uh up next, Plastic Man. There's <laughs> I have not seen the Plastic Man, sadly. Uh but he does know who Plastic Man is. I feel like Plastic Man is just like asking for action figures. His name is Plastic Man. Uh, yeah, that's the funny thing about that. So, um, elongated, elongated Man showed up in the Flash live-action series recently, and mm -hmm. at the end of the episode where he shows up, they're like talking about what he should be called, and the Flash is like, "How about Plastic Man?" And they're both, and they're both like, "Nah." <laughs> wow. <sighs> but yeah. Nothing. Nothing is likely to top the uh, Batman the animated the like DC animated universe for uh, portrayals in the it's, coming times. It's quite good. Like, uh, it's a shame that Marvel never had anything like that. Uh, they tried. Yep. The, most of it was bad. I recently watched. I recently started watching the uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, which is uh, oh, that's a good one. The best Spider-Man cartoon, and wished I had gotten to see that as a kid because the old cartoon show uh, as much as I tried to enjoy it as a kid not so good not I so remember good. watching a single episode of Spider-Man Unlimited I think and that was one of the most confusing things in the world uh, like not... 
<laughs> Have you seen that one? I don't even know which that. There's so many bad ones. Spider-Man Unlimited was really strange. It's very strange looking, although not as strange looking as the MTV Spider-Man series. That's awful. But Spider-Man Unlimited, I remember being the one where it's like, oh, they're on another. They're like in a weird alternate universe on another planet. Oh God! And what? it's it's very unrelated to anything you think of as as Spider-Man. It's just like, why did you do this? Is it as weird as Supaida Man? Nothing can be as beautiful or terrible as the emissary of hell, Spider Man. Oh man! I yeah, saw, yeah, yeah! I wow! Saw, I saw a weird, more recent one where Spider Man is like in Avengers Academy with like some other super, random superheroes. I think that's Ultimate uh, Spider Man. Yes, as well with the kids. Uh, it's so bad. I'm um, giving to understand it's very bad, it's but it's also bad. apparently kids liked it, so I can't complain yeah. too much. It wasn't for me. I guess. Uh, I think my fun, my son's favorite is still the the Lego DC movies, which are great. That's a good and, yes. And they have uh, uh, Troy Troy Baker as Batman in those, and obviously. <laughs> Keep me one night yeah. I talked about it previously The most recent one is about the Flash And teaches children about the Speed Force <laughs> Finally the Children have to learn about the Speed Force someday <laughs> Yeah those are really good So if anyone out there has kids You want some some fun entertainment Really most of the Lego Movie stuff out there is Is good including the theatrical releases of the Lego movie, the Lego Batman movie, and... Uh, I, I just remember watching Lego Batman on the airplane and <laughs> cracking up when the joke when the Joker was detailing every single villain he had working with him. Oh, my God. And just going on and on and on. I was like, I recognize most of these. I'm, I can't believe I recognize most of these. And then at the end, the pilot is like, you made some of those up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> uh, that it's like that movie was like, like a bunch of forty-something-year-old super Batman fanatics writing a plot, pretending that they are ten-year-olds who don't actually know anything about Batman. Oh, uh, it's that movie was so good. It's and it's like just such the perfect parody of some of the more recent Batman movies too. It's it's. Just so great. <laughs> yes, it it is about the best Batman movie released in recent history. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing and sad and hilarious. Yeah, it gets what's fun about Batman. Yeah, that's important. But this is not superhero hour, so I don't know that we can continue this unjustified no, test. Sadly, we uh, we're at the end of our time. We can yeah. keep. Going. We can we can whatever makes it in. They were foolish for listening to it. <laughs> we, we haven't had a good, like, superhero RPG-ish game in a while. I mean, uh, we ever had was, a good one? Um, Marvel I still have, Ultimate Alliance? Let's see. I still have I won't the a squad on Steam that I need to play sometime. Oh, yeah. Chroma Squad's neat. Which is, I mean, that's not exactly a superhero RPG, but it's a superhero TV show RPG. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's adjacent. Yeah, uh, the, the recent Lego Marvel Superheroes two is really fun, and it's has, not an RPG. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care, man. And it's got all sorts of weird deep cuts. Listen, PS4 Spider Man gives me life. 
Yeah. It's, it's not an RPG either. The main yeah. villain is Kang the Conqueror, and I don't even know who half the characters wow. are. It's just like, it's just, I don't know how this got made, but I love it. Yeah. Deep cuts. <laughs> Seriously. One of them was um, like the medieval version of Captain America, Cap- like Captain Avalon or something. Like, what? That's getting deep cuts. How, how did this get green lit? Who who made this? Yeah. So yeah, and the, this is the real reason why we don't see any superhero RPGs. First of all, they have to deal with the entire continuity and yeah. trying to figure out what to do with it. And second, the the power levels are all literally all over the place, anywhere from traditional JRPG levels to Gurren Lagan levels. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason why we don't have a Gurren Lagann RPG. It's just because there's no way to balance the thing properly. Well, I always thought uh, the X-Men Legends slash Marvel Ultimate Alliance did a good job at that. Yeah, but Diablo clones bore me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever. I love those games. I, mean, I, I, guess, I guess you could make something based off of the Mutants and Masterminds tabletop game. That would Ooh. probably work. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, hey, there was that X-Men game where you can make your own X-Men and then... Oh! <laughs> Let's not talk about that. that. That deserves an hour of long explanation and By the also cre- do- somehow doesn't deserve that hour either. By the creators of the critically acclaimed Too Human? Human, all too human. Can't legally be sold anymore either. <laughs> What? Uh, the that, company that... that produced it lost a lawsuit that says that, that essentially made its source code illegal. It's an unlicensed <laughs> Unreal Engine 3 game, so technically it can't legally be sold. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Oh. It was, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Like. Uh, Listen, I'm just going to talk about how the PS4 Spider-Man game looks very good. It looks fantastic, <laughs> but while you're waiting for that, the moral of the story is play Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. Because you we're going to go back in time and just play some Marvel Super Heroes versus Street Fighters. Yes. Uh, and I, I should note also for that game, they licensed uh, two songs from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Which and, two? Um... Come and get your love, and Mr. Blue Sky. Those are good choices. And if you're controlling uh, Star Lord, you can hold down a button, and he will start dancing to one of those songs. And you can actually, <laughs> and you can actually continue walking around shooting things while the music plays. I'm surprised that they had <laughs> options. I'm surprised they didn't get. I'm surprised that like those were the two choices they made. I'm not saying they're bad choices, but I'm surprised those were the ones they went with. Yeah. Maybe they were the cheapest to license? I don't know. N- nothing is cheaper to license than a blue Swede song. Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot more recognition, so they could probably command a higher price now. But I may have, it may have just been which scenes those songs were connected with, because I think... Sure. Mr. Blue Sky was that one of the opening was the opening sequence song for Guardians of the Galaxy two right right so that was a major action sequence that they were choreographing on that so so that may have just been it they may have just been two of the songs that were associated with Star Lord in action it could be yeah 
Okay, I'm going to stop before I start singing any yeah. of the aforesaid songs. Yeah, so. but I actually... Uh, so it does it does support recording video, and I grabbed a clip of that and put it on my Twitter. So I will... Once I find uh, my clip, I will put a link to that in the episode, assuming I remember. I, I hope you'll remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I found it. So I will send you guys... Send it to you guys to enjoy. Uh... But uh, do we have anything else this episode? Any other random nonsense to go over? No, I've just made already made requests about what I think you need to be uh, using for some of the music in this episode. Okay, I don't. <laughs> did you tell me this? Because I don't remember. <laughs> no, I just dropped it in the chat. Okay, okay. Oh, I see. All right. Anyway, uh, send us questions in the usual manner: forms, Twitter. Um, beam them into Wheel's very tired brain. Beam them into my brain. Um, messages yeah, in a bottle. Yes. Uh, Instagram. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> uh, Bookface. Um, uh, no, email. Um, regular mail. Postcard. Don't uh, give them your address. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Homing pigeon. <laughs> Homing pigeon. That's a really concerning variant of the carrier pigeon. <laughs> uh, posts on the Tales of message board on Namco, Namco Bandai, whatever. <laughs> if someone actually does that, you're obligated to actually respond to oh, it. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, we will end this episode on that, and we will see you next time. I can't stop this feeling. Deep inside of me. Okay, I'm stopping.